All right, we got Kool-Aid here. Now it's a matter of if uh, Eve shows up. He'll be here. All right. So what? All right. I guess before you get to here, let's let's talk a little bit uh, to start out um, about the playoffs so far. So you've been bullish and been right so far <clears throat> that the Nuggets are going to take care of uh, the Suns. Sure looks that way. I mean, tonight is his must win of a game that the Suns have had all year. So, so I want to say this because people kill me for it in spaces. And it holds true for every team that's been a jump shooting team. That goes back from the Phoenix Suns with Nash and them, small ball, jump shooting. It went to, um, Golden State in, in, in only one year, but it held true when you got physical with them. It beat your legs up. Like, you saw that with the Nets um, two years in a row. If you're a jump shooting team, right, you can hit the jump shots the first half of the game and maybe the first half of the third quarter. But if a team is being physical with you, your legs get shot, especially if you have to play defense. And that was the one thing that separates the Nuggets from the Suns. So when you think about they're playing Torrey Craig and Okoji, those are not really offensive players. They're more defensive players. So whatever they give you on the offensive end is a plus. And so now when you try to hide Booker, on the KCP, he's swinging the series. Yep. He's hit two or three threes in each game that they won. Yeah. And and it and it changed and it changed the series. It changed the game. Um the Suns doesn't have anybody to swing to swing the game. Like now that Chris Paul is out, you're gonna play Cameron Payne more minutes. He looks terrible. Hopefully <laughs> Hopefully they give Terrence Ross and, 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 and Nets' favorite T.J. Warren more minutes, but you'll see why Monty is not giving them those minutes. They're, they're, they're going to score, but they might give up the same thing they score. Yeah. Right. So it's a wash. I just look at it and say, if, you, if people are really paying attention to this game, Aaron Gordon knows that KD is not going to the basket. He's playing him at. He stops at the dotted and just waits. And yep. te- even though KD has the length and 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 the wingspan, Aaron Gordon is six eight, athletic with his own wingspan. All he's doing is contesting shots at the peak. Regardless if KD make or miss it, he's done his job. And the one thing that he does that is bothering Kevin Durant, he's posting him up and beating his body up. Yep. And yeah. Booker's the only one who can get to the basket. <clears throat> yeah, I mean Booker. I mean Booker has clearly been. I mean it's not even close right now. I mean, it, it, let's say that the Suns win the title this year and things go as they're going right now. I mean, Booker's MVP. Yeah, I mean, and it's not even close. It's not like you know. I mean, KD was better than Steph the years that they won. But there were some games where one was better than the other. I mean, this game, this year, every single game, Booker's better. 
Like it's and it's not it's remotely close. It's his team, and I and I gained a lot of respect for him yep. because he's not deferring. In 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 at when I when I watch it now, I said, "Oh, that's what KD wanted to do. He no longer wanted to be the alpha, or or the lead dog. He wanted to be a number two. He's transitioning. Yeah, he's a passenger. Yeah, and and and, and, and that's <laughs> fine. You know, everything that's been said about them. The only thing I didn't like, and it shows how much they didn't want to be here. You were seven here. As soon as you left, you was thirty-five. You thought it was the right. number. He was an imposter <laughs> here. Like you thought it was the number. Like if you seen you're looking for a clean start and you came here, nah, you came here to do what you did, business in New York, building up your media stuff, and to tag along like like a like a little puppy wagging his tail behind his owner, which was Kai. It, it, it's disgusting. I'm I'm glad that era's over. That's the last I'll speak of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm I'm also happy it's over, and I'm happy that we can move on. And we wanted to move on, so we got we're doing a kind of a, a little mini series of 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 Podthorn podcasts where we're gonna kind of do uh, deep dives on a couple of different players per episode, basically discussing you know, do we want this the, the, this guy back? what his contract situation is, what we think his value could be on, uh, on the open market, you know, all that, all that stuff. So today we're doing four guys and and we decided to mix and match with different guys who are at different points in their career. Uh, so today we're doing Joe Harris, Edmund Sumner, Dayron Sharp and Mikhail Bridges. So let's start out with the, with the elder statesman in, in Joe Harris, who's, Obviously been on the Nets forever. You know, he was one of the initial guys that Sean Marks kind of hung his hat on because uh, he kind of got him from obscurity. And now he, and obviously for many years, was the best three-point shooter in basketball. He's obviously had ankle injuries since then, which really has felt like it's derailed his his career in a lot of ways. Um, And... Just so people know, from a contract perspective, Joe is owed in the 23-24 season uh, $19.9 million this year. He's got unlikely, with a cap hit of about the same thing, 19, 19.9, close to uh, close to basically $20 million. Um, he's got like some unlikely incentives and 500000 and this is it. So this coming year, he's going to be an expiring. Um, so I want to get to... I want to get to Eve first, who's here, um, to discuss Joe and kind of discuss like what what your thoughts are on him about uh, about his future. Do you see him as someone who will be on this team or will just be used kind of as cap fill a cap filler in a trade? Um, take it take it away in whatever direction you want. Joe is going to be the canary in the coal mine. He's going to be the one that's going to. What they do with Joe Harris is going to be the thing that tells us what this next team is going to be going forward. Now, if I'm Sean Marks, I'm putting Joe Harris on the open market as soon as I possibly can. I don't think you could get picks of any value for him, but you you could get an undervalued big for him. Like, 
I I know that Minnesota is going to be cutting salary. And since Minnesota is going to be cutting salary and most of their salary is going to two centers, they're not keeping Naj Reed. Could you swap Joe for Naj Reed? Probably not because they they don't want salary coming back. They they want to get things down, especially with this new CBA and, and the way things are going, which may not affect these particular guys, but they're going to have to pay um, Anthony at, at, at some point. And so so there's teams like this that are in trouble that might have would have taken Joe in the past, but but Joe has to go. Joe, um, you know, thank you for your service. You, you've been you've been good. You blew it in the playoffs every single time. Um, <laughs> and, um, but Joe, it, it's time for a fresh start for you. And I, and watch, he'll go somewhere else and lead the league in three point shooting and, and be Joe Harris. But every I promise you, he'll fold. Like players show you who they are, and you shouldn't judge them on on one season or one playoff or two playoffs. We've been watching Joe Harris sell out consistently, and and we've seen him sell out in at least three playoffs. I might be wrong. Cool. How many playoffs has Joe Harris sold out in? <laughs> About four. Is it four? Mm-hmm. It's definitely three. It, you, we went to the playoffs before KD and them got here. Right. Remember, this is and year so, three of it. This is year three of that contract. It's only a four year. So he sold before that, then got the contract, and he sold the last three years. So that's four. Yep. No, he's. You got to pack him up. You got to pack him up, and and I think they. I think they're actually packing him up late. If even if they do, because you could have got. You could have got him. You know, sold. Not even this year. Last year probably would have been better. He would have had more value. He would have still had that that three point champion um, glow to him. And someone who over overvalues three point shooting or doesn't have it would have traded for him. But uh, they blew that, and now they're selling him at at probably his lowest value. The the book is out on him. The entire NBA knows that he's not going to do shit in, in the playoffs. He's just one of those players. No, I'm serious. Like, um, no, you Bob are right. Myers, Bob Myers one time said, "You'll see guys. There's two types of, of of players: guys who can perform in the playoffs and guys who can't." He said, "You'll see guys that are world beaters during the season, but when it comes to playing in the playoffs, are just trash." So, I I think we've seen enough evidence. Maybe it's maybe it's uh playing in this city, maybe it's distraction, or maybe, I think it's actually has something to do with how the Nets play, forcing little guys like 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 Joe Harris having to go and take the body blows of rebounding against guys that are much bigger than him. Like, Joe yeah. Harris is a shoot guard. He's not a small forward, and we've seen Joe Harris have to guard power forwards in this switching defense that Jacques Vaughn has geniusly um, tried to implement for the past seven years. This that part of it could be the reason why Joe Harris doesn't do well in when the season is the most physical, when he has to go up against matches and teams probably hunt him, knowing he's the smallest small forward on the court. And and we've seen it. So that has to play a role in affecting his shooting as well. But still, that excuse is not enough to to want to keep him. He's gonna need he's gonna need to go somewhere else.
Okay, I'm gonna piggyback off of this. Yeah. So, um, one, I think they could have got rid of him last year. Like, yep. if you're not if you're not really using him, let him go. You could have did the same deal that um the Clippers did for Luke Kennard because Joe actually has he would have been a year and a half rental less years. Um, right. I also think. The reason why he has to go and 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 why you see in the playoffs his role diminishes is that he's been asked to do too much. And he's not schemed open. Like you see, because we don't have a system in place, like a real system, like I hate when people say, Yeah, cool, we're running read and react, and they don't understand what read and react is. Read and react ain't just watching Kyrie cross over six times and you're playing and you're playing off of what he does. No. With read and react, the teams that run read and react the correct way, like let's look at Memphis. John Morant can get to the basket anytime he wants. Yep. That's read and react. Because you're you're reading the defense and you're reacting to it. Either you're gonna go to the basket or you're kicking it out for a wide open three. That's why teams that go downhill, they can run, read, and react. We can't run it because we don't have anybody that can blow by people at the drop of a dime except for Spencer and Subna. And they don't play you know, Subna. And, 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 and Spencer doesn't do it enough. So, you know, when, when you look at Joe, the numbers in the regular season look good when he played with the Stars. When the stars were gone, he was a pedestrian. And mm-hmm. it, it, it goes to scheme. It goes to what you alluded to, that you're pushing him up. If he's slow-footed, he's slow-footed. You can hide that. He gets on the game, he gets in the game, you put him on the weakest offensive player. And they battle it out for the two, two, two weakest. Um, and so, you know, his time... He had some good moments. It was cool to say, yo, we got the best three-point shooter in the league, but it didn't translate to anything. So, yep. you know, I've said this to y'all in our chat. This is the most important offseason. Um, if this man is ever going to right his wrongs, Joe Harris needs to be moved in a trade where you take back somebody – that has more years but less money. And it could be a team that has a dude on a rookie deal or, you know, a mid-tier deal that's a little bit lower than Joe's but fits what you want to do going forward. And we won't know what they're really trying to do until the coaching staff comes and the moves made at the draft. Yeah, I – so I, I totally agree. I mean, you guys said I – th- I really liked everything you guys said, and I, I'm just going to piggyback a couple of things. Um, I think that the biggest difference in Joe from two years ago, to, like even when he was in his prime form and, as Eve mentioned, was completely uh, useless in the Buck series, he at least still had his ankles. And the loss of his ankles – didn't just make him look kind of like more timid when he's about to shoot. Cause I think he started to get nervous about landing and whatnot, but Joe used to be really, really tough at 
finishing with both hands when he like would pump fake and drive. And that part of his game is basically gone. He basically just roams around the, the three point line. And if you guys remember, like he used to really, he used to get some and ones. He used to slash and kick. And that part of his game is basically finished, um, which is, you know, r- really like really upsetting. Cause like when he was in his prime, you know, I used to get in arguments with people about if he was better than Corver. And I thought he was better than Corver because he shot just as well, but he was also tough and did other things with the ball. And that and that part of his game is just kind of gone at this point. Um, the good thing for the Nets, I think, is that even though people like us who watched him every single day saw how limited he is, the guy, the guy still shot almost 43% from three. So there aren't that many people in the league that can do that. And it's obviously not in the prime of his career when he, I mean, he led the NBA in three point percentage twice shooting 474 and 475 from three, which is really like insane. Um, But the other thing that I think the Nets have going for him is that even though he's an expiring and even though he hasn't looked as good, you know, we saw a lot of teams, whether it's in the playoffs or some bubblish related teams that could have used a guy like him, like the Cavs could have used someone like Joe Harris. I mean, they kind of, bought out someone similar to Joe Harris and Kevin Love. But there are definitely teams like that. The Hawks were missing another shooter. Like, there are definitely going to be teams. um, The Pacers could use another shooter. Like, there's definitely going to be teams that I think would use him, especially as – especially as as Kool-Aid said, you know, the dude is on an expiring. It still does matter to be on an expiring. So I think he's going to have a market. I don't think it's going to be robust as – it might be a player who is on also like a long-term deal where he's overpaid as, as cool said, but is, but has some type of um, some type of potential. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think we will see him on a new team. I hope that Sean doesn't do what he has done the last couple of years, which I think is play favorites. And it's one of my least favorite things about him where he loves having these, you know, the Patty Mills, Joe Harris, Seth Curry shooting, shooting guys trying to emulate the Warriors system but i'm i'm cautiously optimistic and actually more so than other than many of the fan, than many people in the fan base that uh he that they will actually be able to find um a place for him do you guys have any other closing thoughts on joe or do you want to move on to our next guy no we can move on we 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 we, we beat this horse dead all right so, <laughs> so now i want to go to um the only person that i know who's not a pacers fan that liked this guy as much as me was Kool-Aid because we watched him a couple of years ago before he had his knee injuries. And we were both like the two fans that were most excited when he came to the Nets. And that's Edmund's, Edmund Sumner. Uh, you know, he's on a, they, they have him for next year on a short-term deal. Um, making like a couple million dollars. Uh I, we, I think a lot of people in the fan base, including Eve, like wanted him to be playing more uh, than he was. Uh, and I don't really know why Vaughn didn't use him, especially in the Sixer series where like that team was the worst transition defensive team in basketball. And he was rarely used. Um, he also is, I mean, isn't expiring, but at, it looks like 2.23 million. It's a vet minimum, non-guaranteed. Yep, exactly. Um I want to take this one. Yeah, I, go, cool. Run with it, and uh, because that's something the Nets didn't do with him. So go. So, so I know I said this in the chat, and it, it's only been heating up after the season's over. So I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate more. 
to give the pod something that they probably don't know. His representation has axed out already. Um, and, and, you know, I've been alluding to it because if you notice, the Nets don't never play their free agent signings. They don't play them for whatever reason. You, these people come to the Nets and they don't play. Um, and so when you look at it from that aspect, the man, the man was healthy. He started, right? When Kyrie was out, he started an average 10 and was a great point of attack. Yeah, his jump shot is not the prettiest, but it works for him. Um, he's able to get to the free throw line. He was a little erratic, but he was just coming back from injury. Yep. Um, we didn't utilize what he brought to the table. And it's the same thing that killed us against um, Philly. That speed and, and, that, and that first burst to get by defenders is a must-have in this league in order to survive, especially without having a stop. And he could have helped us to minimize Maxie's, um, you know, driving ability. But it also, and not to say he would have stopped them, but you can slow him down. You know, you can make it a little bit more difficult for him. And I just think that, you know, there wasn't a real plan going forward with him. Um, it was more, we like him. You know, he could be something. But, you know, this this bench wasn't utilized enough. And so I can understand his frustrations. And if people paid attention when when they um, interviewed him after games, he was saying, hey, you know, we wait our turn. We're professionals, but we could play ball too. Yep. You know, not just sitting on the bench. So it's more of listening to what somebody's saying and then following the actions. He stayed professional. He stayed ready. He didn't complain. But behind the scenes, they've, they've, they've asked you know, because they want an opportunity for him to, if he stays here and he doesn't play, what's his next contract look like? Right. And, and he's young. And what's I just want to put this. I just want to interrupt for one second, just because his stats, which I should have said off the top, were even better than I even than I even remembered. And it goes to show why you know sometimes the fan base is wrong when they're clamoring for a player, but there are a lot of times when they're right. I mean, I mean. Someone's trying to get into my apartment. Sorry for the noise. Sumner, Sumner this year shot forty six percent from from the field, almost thirty six percent from three, and ninety two percent from the free throw line. I mean, the guy was great this year, and really just did not get time. And for uh, and for a front office and a coaching staff that really supposedly cares about you know advanced advanced metrics and whatnot. They weren't really looking at the, the guy, this guy who was phenomenally efficient when he played. And he also did what you're supposed to do in modern basketball. And it's something that Cool talks about all the time on this podcast, which is he, 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 uh, a majority of his shots were basically either at the rim or were threes. And yet the coaching staff didn't play him. So sorry, I just wanted to interrupt by just giving some, just coloring the background about him. No, 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 that's good. Like, I pretty much was done. It's just frustrating when you see what we need and it's on the bench and you still won't play it. Like, I know I, I said this before. I'll say it again. 
I thank God, Coach. Even though he came in, people like to say he came in late. You've been here seven years, and you took over this team with eight games into the season. You were here the whole season. This was your team. And it's no way you watch this man play in the beginning when we were contenders and said he could play. And then as soon as Kyrie came back, you couldn't find minutes for him. It, it, it's 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 ludicrous, but I'll I'll put Eve's the floor is yours. Yeah, no, it's um it's a part of the organizational thinking of that three point shots are the end all be all. Now I, I value three point shooting. I think it's critical to have on the floor. But part of the reason why why the Nets can't execute is because they have they overvalue three-point shooting to the point where they put a team on the floor that can't defend their position. There were so many times that the Nets needed to have Edmund Summer, Sumner plus one of Joe Harris or Steph, I mean, or Seth Curry, or Seth Curry. And, um, and they didn't, they, they played Joe Harris and Seth Curry, which made them, Lose the ball, turnovers galore. Seth Curry doesn't know how to create for others. You know, he wasn't terrible, um, but he didn't add anything. Uh, At a point where the Nets were one-dimensionals and teams just knew that they just wanted to, to you know, uh, catch and shoot, he could have played Edmund Summer just to kind of get teams back on their heels and having to defend the guy who's going to go to the rim. Has it been perfect for Edmund Sumner? Is he the savior? Is he the answer? No. No, not, not at all. But I, I believe that if you had the tactical nows to be able to to deploy a player like Sumner in the middle of this last playoff, you could have eked out something. But when the ball wasn't going in and the three-point shooting wasn't working, you had no other, you know, tactic you had no other direction to take the team and and because of it because of how much they overvalue three-point shooting uh even though they have a ton of it on the floor they they put they put players like um Sumner on the outside looking in and they missed the genuine opportunity like it it wasn't like Joe Harris was you know (laughs) doing so great that you had to keep him on the floor. And same thing with Curry, that you guys needed someone who could go to the basket and draw a foul. Like, as much as as much as much Nets fans complain that we don't get calls, part of it is is us, because we we just, we are, we're a jump shooting team. We don't go to the, to the bucket and the one mm. guy that they could use, they don't, they don't, they don't. Go ahead, cool. No, no, I was just going to say Let's keep it on him, but you rounded it back in. <laughs> you got to let me finish. <laughs> Go ahead. I, did. I, I let you cook. I, I didn't stop you cooking. Go um, ahead, man. Yeah, I mean, look, like, I mean, I think in terms of where he goes, I mean, look, if I was his agent, I wouldn't want him on the Nets because it sounds, from everything we've heard, it sounds like they're going to try. I would assume that one of their draft picks, assuming they keep both, is going to be a guard and they already have a lot of like guard wing, like ish type people. 
and he wasn't used this year. And to be honest, he there's no reason. I mean, cool. How many phone conversations did me and you have this year where we were like, if this guy gets a chance, there's no reason his next contract, he shouldn't be making $11 million a year. Like if you're shooting 46% from the floor and 91% from the free throw line and, you know, uh, 37%, 36% from three, that's the makings of a guy that's going to make 10, $11 million a year. Like it just is like, I don't care what your other numbers are or anything. Like that's good enough that you should be playing a lot. And if you're athletic and you're, and you're, you know, not a liability on defense, which I never found him to be. And he's also long, like he's, and he's also a bigger guard, which makes him less of a weakness in a playoff series. It's kind of crazy that they didn't play him more. I don't really get it. Um, and for his sake, he's one of those guys, you know, I'm not one of these Nets fans that's like, I hope he goes somewhere somewhere else and proves us wrong. But Sumner was so poorly utilized with the Nets that I honestly really do hope that he succeeds because I've loved his career. He's had a bunch of really shitty injuries. He's someone that, you know, in my opinion, you play his career out 10 times. This might be like the worst example of how it became, but he's still obviously young enough. I mean, he's only 27 that he could still do more. Um, so I'm excited to see what he does, but so it sounds like, so cool. You, it sounds like you'd be surprised if he's on the nets at the start of 2023. Um, yeah, because, you know, it, when I heard it, I, I, you know, I waited and then I told y'all when I heard it, like the second and third time, it's just like, and this is, this is just agent talk. You know, I, I know a couple of them and that's just, yo, they got to get their client paid. We know the one thing that this organization does is that they take care of the players, whether they're leaving or not. They do these favors. I I just think that this was a wasted opportunity. I'm hoping that they can salvage it. But when you look at it, technically, they have a lot of guards, but they don't because I'm not counting Patty because they don't use him. (laughs) Um, Seth is gone. If you bring him back, I may not watch the Nets because it makes no sense. Um, Joe should be gone. So you should have a spot for him because it should be Subner. I mean, not Subner, it should be Subner, Spencer, and I guess you would call Camagard. Like, at some point, he might be gone as well. So you still have to keep the cupboard a little bit full. Yeah. But, but I don't expect him to be here and it's a non-guaranteed deal so they don't have to make that um choice into training camp eve do you think so eve do you think summer's on the on the roster to start the year um no no exactly and and, and gut opinion because we just to reconfirm do you guys think in your in your gut of guts do you guys think that joe harris is a member of the nets come october 2023 no, no, Joe has. Um, oh wait, I'm sorry. No, I say he shouldn't be. But, but what do you actually? There. But do you think he'll be on the yeah. net? This is just prediction. Yeah, he'll he'll be on the net. As as long as Sean Marks has a job, he'll be on the net. <laughs> cool. What do you think? <sighs> I gotta go with ease on this one. I don't think. Um... I think he know what he should do, but he ain't going to do it. Yeah, I agree. I think part of the reason why I would like to see a new GM is because I think that Mark's 
plays favorites with the wrong type of guys in this league. And I think that as long as things stay status quo, which it seems like they're going to, I think, I think Joe will be here. I actually kind of think that Sumner might be here also um, just because I think he's actually decent. He actually makes marks look a little bit better because he actually did play pretty well, but I, but I also totally understand him wanting to do some, go somewhere else and get another opportunity. All right, let's move on to a guy that, I was a I was a fan of coming out of the draft. I had him in like my top twenty five ish on my board. Kool Aid wasn't a fan. So far, Kool Aid has wiped the floor with me, and that's <laughs> uh, that, that's the big. Sorry, there's a cop coming by my apartment, but that that's the uh, the big high school recruit that went to UNC. North Carolina was terrible that year, um, and that's Dayron Sharp. He started to show a little bit in games that didn't matter nearly as much towards the end of the end of the regular season. But, uh, and especially when teams started playing their scrubs and whatnot, but you know, he's, he's still on his rookie deal. I think that we've seen some highs like his game against the Pacers last year where he looked, you know, awesome. Um, And we've also seen, you know, games where he looks completely lost. Um, you know, he averaged 55% from the field, shot 64% from the free throw line, uh, averaged five points, you know, four rebounds, um, uh, played about 11, 12 minutes a game, which for a second year big man on a team that was really, that really had a dearth of big guys was obviously really disappointing. Um, and I think a big issue with him is that he, not only is he undersized and he's lo- and he's now lost some weight, but he also doesn't have the pogo stick ability to get above the rim. So he's kind of in no man's land in, in, in the modern NBA. Um, and, oh, we got Bam here now also. So, Bam, we're talking Dayron. We did Joe Harris and, and, and Sumner, but uh, I'm going to have Kool-Aid start given that he I, – I have to defer to him given he's been totally right about Dayron and, and, and I take the L here. Where, where do you think we go with uh, with Dayron? I assume he'll be on the roster next year, but just want to hear your thoughts about his season and where he goes moving forward. Um, so, I mean, people get mad at it because, you know, we say this is this young talent. But if you're being honest with yourself, um, what does he do to – I mean, he, he's a rebounder. And I thought that this year – considering that the GM said we're going to give him a shot and you didn't bring in a third big that you knew you needed. Um, especially when uh, the dude from Oklahoma City was there to be taken and the Boston took him, which was the stretch big that they wanted. Um, and then you don't play him. So for me, it's almost as what can you get for him? Are you packaging him up in a bigger deal and just sending him out? Or do you sit down with your coaching staff and say, this is year three. I need to know what he is. Because this is the year that normally tells you if you're an NBA player or not. Um, I like that he does have the discipline to work on his body. But his game, he can't catch. His hands are terrible. Um he he probably had 20 dunks in the whole season. He don't get off the floor. That really bothers me. Um, 
but he's a bruiser. And they took away his one power, which I thought was his weight. He was like 280. You should have just told him to tighten it up. And he would have kept all that strength to be able to push, to be able to guard the bigs. You, They've made him Claxon. You that, don't but need Claxon because I can't jump. <laughs> yeah, but you don't need two of them. You know, you want to be able to have, especially when we're in the East, and there's a plethora of centers that post up and push us around. Um, so do I think he's going to be on this roster? Yeah. But is he going to be used? No. Uh, Eve, your opinion on Dayron, where you see him, what you thought of him this year, and where you see him going forward? Yeah, Dayron, um, Dayron did what, what they asked him. They asked him to get lean. They, and the theory was that he would get lean and he'd get more explosiveness off the floor. Um, it, it, it does seem like they tried to turn him into a lobs and dunk center, like what, what Claxton is, um, which is the type of center their system uses. But the, the problem is, the problem is he got leaner and didn't get more explosive. He also, he also didn't add a go-to move, like, uh, just something that he can score out of. He, he, he doesn't have that. And his defense, like, he, he just – if his defense was better, you could justify him, you know, more. If he, if he, if he could – if he was physical or, or, or you could see him put his stamp on games in, in, in some kind of way, you, you would feel more um, excited about his future because two years is not enough. He could come back next year and be a completely different player. I'm – I'm not um I'm not saying that that but what we've seen so far is not good enough. What we've seen so far, usually in the second year, you'll have one or two games where you could go, you see these two, that's what he's gonna be in the future. And he doesn't have that. So I I, I would I would I do what I I do what I would have to do to get to get Naj Reed before somebody else gets from Minnesota. Um, East, hold on, because you keep saying Nas Reed. Nas yeah. Reed is an unrestricted free agent. So Minnesota doesn't have any control over him. You would have to sign him. Oh. Yeah, and we can't do sign and trade at the moment, I don't believe. Well, I'm not sure I'm not sure about, about the, the sign and trade part. I'm I'm saying because the Nets are um um cap situation, they have to do something. You know, how how the mechanics of that works I'm not sure but um but at least it would give Minnesota something for him and he's the type of uh player that that I think they need someone who's a bruiser and can shoot from outside um somewhat proficiently so he's at the top of the wish list but I, I can't say what the the different um um steps that would be necessary if um uh but bringing up Naj Reed also kind of makes you look at at um, at 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 um, Dayron a little twisted as well because Dayron, you know, is not that much younger than him, <laughs> and you haven't seen the progress at all that you've seen very early from 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 Reed. So uh, it, it's I think he's back. 
But uh, I'm, I, I, if I was them, I, I wouldn't bring him back. I'd use that roster position a whole lot more creatively. Uh, Bam, your thoughts on Dayron? Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Um, I, I'm a little more optimistic on Dayron than Eves is and, and probably cool, too. So I, I think, and you know, Eves, you said there wasn't that game or two. You know, he did have that, that pacer game. Um early in the year where they, they kind of sat a bunch of guys, Vaughn had just taken over. He had 20 and like 16 rebounds or something like that. And I don't think a guy like Dayron could be fairly assessed with the way he was deployed. His style of play isn't going to look good in a three-minute span. But the one thing, and Clay alluded to this, is he is a rebounder, right? And I think a guy like Mitch Robinson with a little bit better of touch that can hit his free throws – is a, a comparison, just a, a bruiser that hits the offensive glass, can get the team extra shots. I think he can do that. Yeah, I just but, don't but, think he... but Robinson is also athletic. Yeah, look. He's also long, too. Yeah, yes. He he's, doesn't have the same measurables, but in that mold of a guy, never a starting center, but I think as a backup, if he, if he played 20 minutes, I think he could be a high-energy, high-motor kid. That, that gives you second shots. You know, he's not going to be a second contract guy, but I, I I like the mold of center. He is more so than what Claxton is. My guess is for Dayron is what happens in the draft will probably determine whether he's here or not. If they get another center, you know, they'll probably look to maybe move him for some seconds or, you know, fill her in another trade. But I'm, I, I just don't think he ever really got a fair shake out of last year. Yeah, I mean – I, I actually totally agree. I mean, look, and this isn't just because I liked him coming out of school because I've already – I've taken the L that he's not as good as I thought he was going to be. Um, I also I, I also think he was measured poorly because coming out of the draft, like I'm looking at some of his draft combine measurements, and they have him at 6'11", which he just clearly is not. Um, he's not 6'11". No, he's, there's like no way. So clearly like he's definitely more undersized for his position than we thought. But – I do agree with Bam that I, I think there's there's a spot for him in the NBA if he can like if he can end up becoming a seventy ish percent free throw shooter and he's not like you know a forty something guy like Mitch Robinson is or like even what we've seen at the worst parts of Claxton and if he gets back to bulking up a little bit more given that that goes to his strengths I do think he can provide you know good impact minutes for ten fifteen eighteen minute. Uh, uh, stretches and I mean like he obviously has very little trade value at this point anyway so I assume that he'll be on the team this year I mean we'll see what happens uh, in the draft although I think we're all hoping that one of those picks or maybe both are used to either move up to get a point guard or um, or one of them will just generally be used for for a guard but I mean beyond that I don't think I have that much else to say about um, about Dayron Bam I do want to ask you because uh now, now that you're here, very quickly, do you see Sumner and Joe Harris on on the Nets at the start of the the coming season? Uh, I would say Sumner would probably depend on what else they do a point guard. Again, if they draft a point guard, probably not. Uh, I don't I don't think he'll be back. I'm not sure he and Clay has said this a million times. I don't know if he'll actually want to be back. Yeah. So if more players are added to that spot, he may go to them and say, "Look, you know, I'd prefer that you release me. I, don't, I think it's a non-guaranteed contract, if I'm not mistaken. So 
you know, and if they're trying to save some money in the cap, I, I would I would probably gun to my head he's not back here. Harris, you know, they'll probably try to put in a trade if they make one. He's the likely candidate to go. I think he's got nineteen or twenty million on the books, and it's just one year, so he'd be movable in a deal. Um, so I think if they have their druthers, Joe won't be back, but they may be stuck with him. Yep, that's yeah. I think uh, that point. goes in line with a lot of uh, uh, of what we said at the time. All right, so we uh, batting cleanup for uh, in in this pod, and this will be the last player we do is the star of the team and depending how you view bridges that could be uppercase s for star lowercase s um and so we're doing we're doing mikhail bridges everyone in this group actually of the four of us all have different opinions on him um i want to i want us to first before we get into you know his future with the nets and whatnot i want to reflect a little bit uh on his season um, dating back since the since the trade and be, and uh, since he became a net, because obviously the bridges that we got in Brooklyn is far different than the bridges that was in Phoenix for multiple years. And just as uh, just for background, you know, with the Nets, bridges averaged uh, and uh, sorry, my uh, my computer just flipped out. Bridges averaged twenty six points for the Nets. He shot ninety percent from the free throw line. He shot four eighty from uh, from the field. He shot 38% from three, averaged four and a half rebounds, 2.7 assists, a steal, half a block. Um, his, adva- his advanced numbers were really were, were really good, both offensively and defensively. Um, so, all right, I want to start. I'm trying to think who I want to start with on this. I think I'm going to start with Eve about, uh, about Bridges. So, Eve, just reflect on what you saw from him during the season and – do with a little bit of projections. I'll get into the contract and whatnot later and his value. We can discuss that at the end. Kind of, do you think that what we saw was a mirage? Do you think there will be some move back to reality of what he was like in Phoenix? Or do you think this is him actually being able to, to spread his wings? Well, it, it depends on what, it depends on what Marks does. Marks could either propel this guy to, uh, superstardom or, uh, or really just ruin this kid. And it, it scares me when I when I, I think of the prospects of it because there's a real opportunity with Bridges. The reason why I, I believe there's a real opportunity with Bridges is because it's rare that you get a guy who can flirt with 50, 40, 90. That's an efficient shooter. And um uh and and basically and basically could to kind of score on on several levels. I won't say he's a he's a three level scorer I, 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 or, or anything ridiculous like that. I, I just don't see very much flaws in his offensive game. And now being the focal point, you know, adapting to that so quickly and knowing that this is a guy that NBA players rave about his defense. Um, everyone's freaking out about Dame Dash. I mean, Dame Dash, about Dame Lillard, <laughs> about Dame Lillard, uh, uh, it, you know, because of how he described, like, how, you know, ruthless of a defender that this kid is. And, you know, usually when you have a superstar, it's more like a, a Devin Booker type, which is, you know, going to get you 30, going to, you know, score. Um, but 
he, he's not going to do much. He's, he's going to be pedestrian on the defensive end. To, 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 be, to build a team on the platform of a guy like that, who also is the NBA's current Iron Man, the guy that just shows up, I, I don't I, – it, I did not want him last year because I just thought he was a 3-and-D uh, catch-and-shoot player. Um, I, I did not know his game at all. And I don't think most people knew his game because he has guys that need the ball to be successful. Yep. But I think, I think now everyone sees that he was a big part of that team that, that went to the championship. He was a, he was a, he was a big um, contributor because he did the dirty work. He did the things that the superstars don't do. And now you're watching press conferences about <laughs> with Aiton talking about his defense, which looks way worse without a guy like, like, uh, like Bridges on it. On, on his team. Now, saying all of those things about Bridges, he needs someone to he needs someone to uh, give him the ball. He needs someone who's going who can create offense for him. That's how you get the very per- best ver- version of Bridges. You cannot keep Dinwiddie and Bridges together. Um, even though Dinwiddie had his career highs and assists um, being paired with Bridges, I think Dinwiddie is. is is a is a super valuable player if you can bring him off the bench, and and if you could find a point guard that is going to create offense for him as well as be a threat, because part of the reason why um, he slowed down at the end was because the Nets literally don't have anyone else that scares you, or that or that you have to compensate for in some other you know way of their game besides jump shooting. So if you get a point guard that's going to create offense, that also can score himself, then you're going to see the best version of, of, of um, Mikael Bridges. And, and that is the, is the key for the Nets going forward. And I, I think he definitely comes back. I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think I, – I, it would be foolish to trade him now um, to just, you know, to, to, to basically, you know, go on this, you know, draft picking – um, expedition, which you never know when you're going to be good again. To that, it, it serves us no purpose. We don't have any of our pick picks. We don't have to tank, so we we could let this guy cook and put something around him and ha- and have a very interesting team because there is no super team. There is no Tim Duncan and um, Manu Ginobili out there. There is no there there is no Shaq and Kobe out there in in the league right now. You put a competent team. You could we could have a lot of fun with with a dependable guy and a guy who could be our Jeter-esque type of leader uh, going forward. I, I really believe in the kids, Sam. All right, Bam Bridges. What what you saw is it a mirage? Is it real? What you expect moving forward, assuming he's on the team? So he's going to be back um, for sure. Um, I, I just don't. I don't see them pivoting in, in, in the direction that I've advocated for. So we'll just stick with that. He's going to be back. And Bridges is good. He, he's an efficient mid-range scorer, more than good enough from three, good guy, dependable, is going to show up and play. Um, the only weakness I really saw in this offensive game, I guess two things. He doesn't really go to try to finish up the rim a lot, but he's a bad passer. So part of that could be just not used to the attention he got 
So that he'll have an off season to, to watch film and work on those things. But Eve's alluded to it. He's, he's the Robin. We have a great Robin to a Batman, right? So that's the whole thing is if, if he's going to come back, he has what, three years left on his contract now? Uh, yeah. I got yeah. it right here. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, it's, so it's three years left. You hope by year two, he's not the Batman on the team anymore. And, and like Eve's alluded to, based on the, the, the landscape of the league, with the, these new collective bargaining agreement that has come out, the NBA is starting to achieve some parity. The, yep. old, the older stars are not as good as they were. The new guys coming up aren't as good as those older stars were in their prime. There's no LeBron in this league. There's no young LeBron. You know, there's there's no Tim Duncan like that. I guess Luca would be the closest thing, and he has his own warts. So there there is a path that in, in a year's time, even as short as this time, you could certainly be a team that finds your way into the second round, maybe even beyond the you know, matchups are starting to be more important and, and health is becoming a big thing in the playoffs and it didn't didn't feel like that growing up. It felt like those guys were always playing. So he's going to be back, but I just, you know, it, the more you ask of him, the worse he's going to look. So, and I think you saw that in the playoffs when things really heated up, he doesn't have that total package offensively to be a lead dog, but they nailed him in the trade with Durant because he's still an ascending player and even just getting a Robin for a Batman who's declining. That was a good deal. So he'll definitely be back. And the best thing they have to do for him is take more off his plate. He, they ask too much. You can't have him guarding the best player, you know, every night. And then also asking him to score, facilitate. It's too much. Yep. Uh, cool. Before Completely I get to you, I just want to add, I, I just want to say to reconfirm what Bam had already said. Yeah. So, so Bridges has three years left. His contract's only going to basically, it's going to end up being one of the best contracts in the NBA if it's not already. He's it is the best contract in the NBA. That's, that's impressive. <laughs> He's going to be making between 22 to $25 million a year for the next three years, um, becoming an unrestricted free agent in 26. Uh, but cool. Reflect on, on, on what cool. you saw this season. Cool. Not to cut you off. Not to cut you off. I just want to say this about the contract. This is the this is like having that that Steph Curry contract when Steph had the bad ankles, that allowed the that allowed Golden State to do interesting things, and not and be overpaying super super um early in the process. This Bridges contract is super valuable. Sorry, cool for cutting you, but I, I wanted to point that out. Yep. No, you are so good. Um... You're, you're absolutely right. So for me, when I think about him, um, he's an ascending star, right? I, I'm not calling him a star yet. I mean, he did it for 30 games, and, you know, it's a it's a new role for him. So I'm looking to see him add ball handling, like to be able to make a move and get by his man, and but maybe add on five pounds of strength. I'm not going to say muscle because he's wiry strong and his frame, you know, he's like a, a KG that you, you're only going to get a certain amount of mass. You're just going to be strong. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's, I think he's the start, right? Um, I love that he's going to come to work. He wants to play. He played 83 games this year. Um, so just, just from being a Nets fan, 
to hear your, one of your star players is going to play no matter what has to be a plus. Um, you know, you're getting his prime years. Um, I think that he will command from this organization a running mate. And, and, and when I say that, I'm not thinking about a star. Sam, I've said this to you many of times, even with the Kyrie situation. Pieces. And um, I don't normally give Knicks any credit or any life, but they went and got a leader. And it stabilized them. That is what the Nets need. You know, I, I, when, when I think of Bridges, I don't know if he's a Robin or a Batman at this point because he's only 30 games. Now, do I like to see him get the 45, 40 points? That lets that at least lets me know he has it in him to take over. But because he can't get to the basket when he wants, he won't be a superstar because that's, the, that's what separates. The superstars can get anywhere they want on the court when they want to get there. Um, and they hit a lot of bad shots and contested shots. To me, his thing was the fadeaway to the left. Every time, cool. Yeah, and and he doesn't really go right. Um, he doesn't absorb the contact. That's why I said strength. But he could be he 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 could be the leading force. I also think what they did to him was wrong. Meaning, just because you want to. He was running up for defensive player of the year. Nobody really guards the best player in the regular season like that until it's money time. And, and JV put him on the best player from, from jump ball. And that's not how you use your talent. Because if he's going to exert that much energy on the defensive end, you then can't ask the man to give you 40 or 30 on the offensive end. It just don't work that way. It don't work like that. It only that's why you see it in the playoffs, and it's for spurts. It's not the whole game because you still got to score. So I'm going to say he's an ascendant star, and you can build off of him and around him. And don't look for stars. We have to create our own star because his contract is a, is a very good contract going forward with the way the new CBA is being built. That if your star player is at twenty million dollars, you pretty you're probably gonna have a good team if you build it right. Yeah. So t- to me, the big question with Bridges, and it's something we've texted a lot about and have had some arguments about on the pod. Like to me, he's de- he's definitively not a Batman on like a team that's really trying to compete. The question to me is really. Is he a Robin or is he an Alfred, I guess, to use like the, the to continue so, with, with So my question to you, Sam, is Yep. Because of what you just said, it's only been thirty games. So you can't even call him an Alfred yet. Like we don't know. Yeah. Like like if you looking at it and the number splits, his stats say he's a number one. Yep. Right? That's what his stats show. And for him to have those numbers here, and this is where they, they they were scheming for him defensively. This is his first time in his career where he's been the man. So I think he handled it correctly as best as he could. I agree. So, 
So I can't say he's a sec. That's why I said he's ascending because if you place, if you say right now he's a number two, then you're doing him a disservice because he put up number one numbers statistically. Yeah, to me, no, yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. To me, I think he has a really, really, really wide range. Because if you told me that his peak, I mean, could be Jimmy Butler-esque, obviously maybe not like 53 points in a playoff game or whatever, but like it, that type of mold of a player, right. like hard nose. He could be that guy. He could be he that guy. 45. No, for sure. Like, like making the right guy. decisions, gets to the free throw line, is smart is a leader, all that stuff, I wouldn't be surprised. If you also told me that he came back down to earth a little bit and became a, like a really, really, really good third star 3 and D guy and like probably overqualified to be a third star on a good team, I also wouldn't be surprised. But as you guys said, it's, it's hard to tell. He also, he also hasn't played – like, look, in, in Phoenix, he's basically been the fourth option, and he hasn't um, – he hasn't played with a great point guard where he's actually considered a scoring threat. Like he got to play with Chris Paul, but his role with Chris Paul was basically just to do the dirty work and score, you know, 12 points a game and do his thing. I mean, if, if you actually well, this like year, this year, he got a little bit of Chris Paul when he was the option when Booker was out and he put up basically 23 points. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I think that's why I think as you guys have said a lot like I think Eve said this off the top, a lot of it does depend on on what they put around him. And it sounds like we're all in agreement that well, I guess we're we're all in agreement that he's clearly an ascending star and he basically showed us everything and more uh in the trade. It's a matter of, you know, at this point, we assume he's gonna be back, whether some of us think he should be back or not, or whether they should kinda go tear down to the studs is a, is a, is another question, but I guess what, what do you guys think are the best pieces that need to kind of be around him? Like who are guys, if you want to build around him, because we've heard a lot of people um, and I'm not trying to open up a massive Pandora's box, but if there's a lot of different names that have been thrown out about people that the net should trade for. And to me, like a guy that, I think has a ton of upside, but makes me really nervous about pairing with him is someone like Trey young, just because he's so ball dominant and a lot of wings that have played with him. I think their career growth has been stunted. And I think having a guy who's that ball dominant, who's not really um, a facilitator, even though he does do, even though I think he does actually have good vision, but his, his role on the floor is not actually to play quarterback. And so I'm kind of trying to think of like what guys, are the best to target or if they should try to take a more, you know, slow build, try to get a point guard in the draft or go after a guy like Tyus Jones, as we've, as we've talked about before on this pod, I guess um, let's start with Eve. Like what, I mean, like what do you want to see around him to make him the best that he can be and also make the team obviously as good as they can be? Yeah. He needs a combo type guard, someone who, who's a scoring threat, and that will attack you um, um, from the perimeter. At, but at the same time, we'll, we'll create for you. So, you know, uh, it's, not, it's no secret. You guys hear me um, I'm pine for the guy all the time. I, I, I like DeJounte. And I, I don't just like DeJounte because he's DeJounte. Like, if I, if I could just say any player that I, with no pathway of getting him, I probably would say SGA first. Um, 
um, you know, Shy, I think is is would be the would be the guy that would take the Nets for sure to another level. But you can't get Shy. You can I think you can get DeJounte because this experience this experiment between you know, to having a two-point guard um, system, I think that that was a, a McMillan thing. I don't think I don't think um, I don't think Snyder is going to go for that. That's 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 never been his mo in the past. And they haven't they 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 minimized each other. The year before Dejounte was twenty-two nine and eight. Um, you know those numbers aren't far off, but but much much tamer numbers and that's because he plays with Trey and and they, not that they play similar or do similar things they just need the ball uh enough to to uh, uh to to show what they do or to pull or to, or to put up those type of numbers they DeJounte did not help Trey and and vice versa so one of them I believe is going and I think DeJounte is the one that you could get you could give Schneider back Royce O'Neal you could give you could give the 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 Hawks GMs three draft picks to replace the ones that they got rid of. We've got ten in in, in the future, and I, if you could use them to get a guy like like Dejounte, you're you're in business. Now, the the last part of the Dejounte thing is I think the most important. Dejounte uh, that year in um in really blew up. Uh, 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 had eight rebounds. The Nets, as long as Dejan, um, Jacques Vaughn is going to be our coach, is going to require that rebounds come, you know, everybody gang rebounds. He's one of the best at it and, uh, for a perimeter player. And um, if you could add him, the, the length, the size, the ability, the, the game that actually creates for others and, and could help um, uh, it could help Mikael Bridges immensely. And, and then it, the the biggest point is on a night in night out basis you would have guys on this team that could just flat out defend and and I I would be excited about that I just a defensive identity uh uh you know guys who show up and play and and he's the grittiest he would be the grittiest net if if, if you ask me based off his his past and and the type of player that he is maybe sometimes. He's had some some errors, but he's going into his prime. He's going into the into you know where he's going to be his peak physical uh, ability. I I would love to see him next to Mikael Bridges in a bike in a backcourt. Uh, bam. On the on the on the Bridges front, and just in order to make him succeed. I, in order to make the Nets succeed, I know that you've talked about Trey Young, who, who I, there were definitely times where I get intrigued by him. I'm just kind of curious what uh, what you want to see around him. Down, downhill, so he needs a downhill point guard and a real a true lob threat at center, which, which we haven't really had since Jared. I, I I don't really see that in Clax. Doesn't have the presence. So the last time we had that real good lob threat was the. Um, D'Lo to Russell years, or year, I guess I should say. I think D'Lo and Allen, I'm sorry. Uh, that that was like the lob threat we had those years. If they had a point guard that constantly got into the paint and had a constant lob threat, those kicks to him, where now a defender has to run at him, that's where he would become the best version of himself, where it's one or two dribbles either way, and he's going to bury that mini. 
right? And then, yeah, of course, you could sprinkle in some touches for him on the perimeter, you know, his three-point shooting. That would be the best option for him. Uh, names, I think the Hawks, you know, they make a lot of sense. Do I think we have a package they may want? That You know, that's another story. But to, to me, if the Nets, by year two, you know, of the, the next two seasons, by opening night of, let's say, the 2024 season, if they had a downhill point guard and a true jumping jack lob thread center with him, that would be something to be excited about. Ben, do you think do you think that um, Claxton could become that guy? No. Well, you. <laughs> I'm off on Claxton. I'm out. I'm, I'm. I'm. Just look at. We're going to talk about him another episode. But just look at the playoffs and show me the center that looks like Nick Claxton. You know, we'll we'll save that for his episode. Right. Cool. <sighs> I sat and listened and and, and quiet. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. So. Come on. I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm not giving up three picks for Murray for the simple fact is when you go to buy a foreign car, Rolls Royce, Bentley, you know, top of the line, or any car, you know, San Antonio had it first. You got the three picks and whatever you needed to make it work from Atlanta, right? He had a down year. Why am I paying still top premium? I'll give up two, but they won't be this year's because the, the, my issue with Murray is I love the I love his game. It's that you have to pay him, right? And he's going to want a max. He's a rich Paul client. He wants a max. So, giving him thirty five, right? Thirty five plus. You're still going to have Ben because. For, for a Murray trade, they're not taking Ben when Ben makes double the amount. So you're using like DFS and the picks to make the money work, right? Right. You, you, and you, you, got, you, the, you got, got And you have to add more to it because Royce only makes nine and a half million. So what about the, trade, the two trade exceptions that they're sitting on? You, can't, you can't combine those. You, they can bring him in on the trade exception. That's fine. But they still have to give out money to make oh, it. Of course. So, so it can't be just Royce, is what I'm saying to you. It could be Royce and Patty, and it works with the picks. That's fine. Um, but if I'm if I'm Atlanta, I want the cost controlling person, which is DFS. He's on three more year contract at at fifteen the most. So that's you know. That's cost efficient. You kind of know what you're getting. Um, I'm hoping Snyder loves Royce, though. What do you I, think I'm, about that that relationship? Oh, let me finish what I'm saying, and I answer that. My 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 next thing is, I don't like. I'm not in love with Trey Young because I think he's too small. And as you saw in the Boston series, they were able to hunt him. But. I don't like the slander that he gets. This man took his team to the Eastern Conference Finals. True. Like, let's not forget that part. Does he get downhill? Yes. Is he a foul merchant? Yes. Can he shoot the three? Yes. Can he throw the log? Yes. Can he read and react? Yes. His weakness is defense, and it's in, in something he can't control. He's 5'10". Right? But he's shown winning basketball. I think this was a, 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 a regression year for everybody in Atlanta. 
from Murray to Collins to Young. Um, I like I like Tyrus Jones because he's just a leader and a winner. And his 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 um turnover to assist ratio is the best in the league. I need somebody who's going to protect the ball as many turnovers as we have. But what I like is he can still shoot. He can still get to the basket. And he comes at half the course of both of those plays easily. Like, he's only making $15 million. You can extend him once you get in. And he's going to take it or you don't do the trade. You have that all set up. So, at most, you may give him four for 70 yeah, even and, to, to Clay, to your point, even if it was four for 80, that's, yeah, not, that's not killing you. Yeah, you know, and, and he's on the same time level as Bridges in him. As far as what Bam said about Claxon, you know, I, I'm going to say this. I want a center that can guard his position. Um, and, and, and for everything that I think, I don't, I don't think going forward and the way they want to build a team, giving him $20 million is, is realistic. And so in, in saying that, you have to go find somebody else who can do like like Bam said, I think centers are like running backs. You can go in the G League and get somebody 6'10", that rim run. But that's athletic. Just give them a shot. Not Sean Marks, though. But they have to <laughs> yeah, but they have to build, you know, the question the, the, the question was, how do you build around him? You gotta give him the point guard. And in order for him to continue to play at that defensive player of the year, you have to have a center behind him that's an anchor. Any perimeter player that has been all defensive player, the the center was the security blanket that allowed them to play all out on defense. It's never going to fail. That's the solution right there. So I want to touch on one thing. Uh, obviously, this is this is running a little long, which I figured they were because we had a lot to say about each of these players. Um, but do we think – what do we think the chances are that, that Bridges is not on the roster to, to start the year? To me, it's about 5%. Zero. Well, can I ask you guys a question? And it's just a yes or no. Let's yep. not. Is he untouchable in all of your minds? Yes. Uh, no, I don't think anyone's untouchable on this team. Bridges is untouchable. Okay. I, I think he's untouchable. You can't you you can't replace him. Um, these teams are going to hoard their their best players, and um, especially with these new rules and 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 in the um in the salary cap. I'm in, in in the CBA, and and because of the new rules in the CBA, I I think it's an impossibility that they trade him. So I don't I don't think they're going to trade him either. I do think teams are going to come calling, and they may get some desperate offers, but I I don't think they'll ultimately take them. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Think about Not it. If they sure. didn't take if they didn't take the four four draft picks before they even saw this version of him, you can't yeah. justify them traded him now. I know I know what you was alluding to, but you need some form of talent here to get talent. Right. And if they give you back draft picks wherever he's going, that team is going to be a first round playoff team anyway. You're not going to get lottery pick 
type players. What 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 they what they do have, which is looking more valuable every day, or the type of picks they would want to get back, are like what we have from the Suns with a declining superstar or two declining superstars, and and not much of a route to get to get better. You know, those picks look better and better every day. Um, uh, and we, it has nothing to do with us losing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, – I think it'll be interesting. I, I think it'll be interesting to see, um, obviously, how they how they craft it. I agree with Cole. I think this is going to be obviously one of the uh, – one of the most important off-seasons in, like, the mo- in modern Nets history for sure. Uh, one thing I want to hit on – before we go is because a lot of these rumors kind of come and go, but I think it's important that we talk about them, especially because it's nitty gritty. And I know that's what our audience likes. So uh, Mark Stein wrote an article yesterday or two days ago, I believe about potential assistant coaches and how obviously there's a lot of guys out there given the amount of firings recently, a lot of coaching staffs are getting uh, realigned. And one of the names who's a top, assistant uh, candidate for both the Nets and it sounds like the Mavericks is James Borrego. Curious what you guys think about bringing Borrego on if if we could. There's obviously some other names of people who people want. I know Eves is making fun of people on Twitter who actually think that Budenholzer would come be an assistant for Jacques Vaughn. Some have asked for Charles Lee. Charles Lee is getting interviewed for the Raptors job and from what I've heard is also the leading candidate for the Pistons job. So I think there's 0% chance of that. But on the Borrego front or any other assistants that you've heard possibly getting added to the to the Jacques Vaughn coaching staff because over the last two or three weeks, that was probably the biggest, you know, Woj bomb, if you want to call it, that had to do with the Nets. Wasn't he here there. before? Wasn't he here before? Who? Um, Barrio, or was mm-hmm. coming? No, he no, no, he was, he was, he was the Charlotte coach. Yeah, at the time, and yeah. that's when we got Clifford. He's been, yeah. he's been with the, he was with the Spurs from 03 to 2010. He was with the Hornet, the New Orleans Hornets from 2010 to 2012. Was a Magic assistant from 2012 to 2015, uh, and. Then was an interim coach with the Magic, went back so, to the Spurs, and then coached I'm the not, for four years. I'm I'm not that familiar with his style of play, but I will say this: if you're a winning coach and you have a track record of winning or, or, or middle of the pack, why are you coming to coach with this man? Like. First of all, the Bud thing makes no sense when he has two years left on his contract and he just lost his brother. He's going to sit out at least a year and, and collect his coin and collect yep. his coins so that he doesn't have to rush. When he decides he's ready to coach again, he will get another job because he won a chip just from that alone. You right. know, I just think like we hear these names and I'm thinking more about people who didn't have a chance to be an associate head coach as opposed to people who've been a head coach already. I don't think he's going to get how, how um, what's my man named Nash got, you know, when he had the, he had the stars. When you have the stars, people are willing to come. Dan Antonio wasn't coming here to coach Mikel Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, no way. Um, but by the way, I just do want to add that, 
Borrego, so Borrego was a top assistant for Jacques Vaughn and became the interim coach when Vaughn was fired in Orlando. And Borrego was also rumored to join the Nets coaching staff by the New York Post last summer. So I just want to mention that there is familiarity between Borrego and Vaughn, as well as Borrego just coming to the Nets generally. Okay, that's why I asked, like, was he here before? Because, I, you know, I, I, that's what it was. That's what we heard. Okay. I, I just I just don't, you don't know with, with all those ties. But if you do that, then I know, I know, excuse my French, I, we fucked. Yeah, I, I think the Nets should be trying to pluck people from different organizations. Trees that haven't had a chance to move up the ladder yet. Like, right. I don't want Borrego, so when, you know, they're ready to fire Vaughn, they just, like, slap Borrego into the head coaching spot. Guy that's right. been there, done that. To me, they should be trying to get these the younger coaches on some of the more successful, sustainable staffs and try to pluck things from different successful organizations. More ideas from the outside as yeah. opposed to more people that are going to come in and reaffirm what these guys already think they know. Yeah, we don't need that same think tank, and that's why – I said, once they get the coaches, you'll know what the true direction of this team is. Because if you read the report, all of a sudden now, Jacques Vaughn wasn't the defensive coordinator. Yeah. Well, <laughs> somebody's telling a fib. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just, for me, if I had to go and pick somebody, I, I, want, I want someone that's going to be in the locker room that's going to have a personality kind of imprint on players. And this is going to sound silly, and but I, I, I've met him personally. I've hung out with him personally. Um, when, um, when my best friend was um, still playing football for Temple, and I, I, I'd love to see Rasheed Wallace come and coach and be our big man coach. I, I think he – I don't think he would settle for 24th and below in, in, in rebounding in the league. And the, but what I really like, it's not necessarily his, his acumen for coaching. It's just the credibility of that guy did that. And if he's asking me to be tough, I know he was tough when, when, when he played in this league. I know what kind of defender he was. I know what kind of player he was. I could respect that kind of personality. And on top of it, he's a funny guy. He, you know, he, I, I just feel like in terms of a, of a team that's so vanilla and plain and so Joe Harris, you, you could use a guy like Rasheed Wallace in that locker room and a part of that staff. So he, he's, not, he's not he's not putting the blunt down to come coach the Nets. No, he's, he's, <laughs> he's coaching. He's coaching with um Bonzi Wells. Right. He, uh, he Where? Coaching too. It's a college. I didn't know that. Good for them. Yeah, and, and he was an assistant in the in at the, in Detroit, I believe, or, or something like that. We've seen, I've seen him on benches, <laughs> but uh, but and he, and you, I've seen videos of him coaching players, NBA players in the summer as well. So you know, not not as a big role. I'm not saying bring him in as the. So you want him as a, you want him as a consultant? No, I'd, I'd love to see him on the on the staff. You know, traveling with the team, part of the team. And just kind of reinforcing like basic principles like rebounding. Oh, okay. Understandable. I mean, you gotta get some people that the players are gonna respect. But on top of that, you gotta get people so first of all, because we're talking about coaching. 
whose scheme is it going to be? That 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 we already know the answer to that. It's Jacques Vaughn's scheme. Well, so do we know what Vaughn's scheme is yet? I think Vaughn would argue, I took over a team with no camp, an established set of play, superstars. They had an established way they wanted to play. And then I got a team for 20 games with the staff that wasn't mine. So that, I'm assuming that's the argument he made to Sean Marks is, hey, if we're going to do this, let me do this my way. And, and that's, that's an optimistic hope, but it's, it's plausible. It's, it's, for me, it's just he's been a part. He, he actually was here before, before Kenny Atkinson. He's been a part of this think tank, of, of this way of thinking, this, of this philosophy from the beginning. And it's not like we changed. The, the next style of play hasn't changed with all of these coaching changes. Three coaching changes, and we look the same, and we do the same thing. I, I'm, I'm starting to just believe that this is, this is who Uh-oh. the Nets are under Sean Marks. Well, I would counter that. I would say our roster composition didn't change. But the style of play did change. The, the the Atkinson teams ran that high pick and roll, spread three point lobs offense. That we didn't run that stuff when, you know, Durant and Irving got on the floor together. All right, but they were they were doing ISOs every single right. time. And, even, you know. and you heard Mikael Bridges say, <laughs> like the 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 offense that I, I, I that I'm used to, I don't. It doesn't end in the ISO every single time. So even he was like looking at. The, the schemes the Nets were running at that time, like, yo, these are Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving schemes. We we need to we need to tweak it a bit. Like but who who's on Mike Malone's staff? Give me somebody from there. Good choice. You know, give me a coach off that staff. You know, that I think that's where they should be looking. So it'll be interesting. There's gonna be a lot of changes here with the Nets, both roster wise, the coaching staff, obviously we already seen it, so you know, there's a lot of different ways they can go. I think we all agree we don't want them to stay status quo, right? Either fucking make some moves or, you know, get more stuff for the future. Don't just bring back the same old. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, I would – I mean, look, I think that the Nets tend to – the Nets tend to follow the uh, the mindset of insanity of, like, you know, uh, just keep on doing the same thing and kind of expecting a different result. So, I. I would be surprised if any if, if they hired assistant coaches who are totally different from the guys that they've been trying to get. And the fact that Borrego, who's a Spurs assistant like Vaughn and who Vaughn has had in the past, I think that kind of shows wh- where where they're looking. Um, but you know, clearly the league thinks highly of Brian Keith, who I think is remaining as an assistant coach because I think he's got he had a, a Pistons interview. So we'll see. I mean, I'm assuming he's not going to get that job, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as Bam said, this is going to be a really weird season. And I also think that fortunately or unfortunately for the first time in his tenure, Sean Marks actually has a hot, a hot ish seat. And that's going to lead to changes of the, in whether it's in the front office, in the coaching staff, uh, personnel wise, we're going to see different things be thrown, uh, thrown our way. It's just a matter of, of what exactly it is next week so. next week next week will start the changes um and the reason why i say that that's the lottery right 12 on may 12th is when they sit down and you figure out what pick you get and 
You normally send a representative. I mean, I know the Nets are not in the lottery, but you know, that's normally where the GMs still go and they do their behind the scenes stuff. I think that'll, that'll, that'll start to trickle down of who's going to get hired. Um, you know, as, as, as it go, we got one more round, two more rounds before it's over. So if you're trying to get a coach that's on a coaching staff now by next week, you should know if that coach is going to have a job, you know, if their team is out or not. Yeah, and Clay, these teams are already talking, you know, like the majority of the league is done. They're not preparing for games. So what are they doing? They're, they're already evaluating their own roster, who's on the free agent market. They're talking to other GMs. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a, you know, a GM in the lottery might say, look, if I, you know, if I fall from four to eight, I'll move my pick. If not, I, you know, if I move from four to two, I'm keeping it. So that type of conversation is, if, you know, I'll do this, if this, that's already started. You know, that's, that started weeks ago. <laughs> you know, do we? I just, I, I just want to say that this is the last thing I want to say, and I'll be quiet. I really hope they don't trade their picks and they actually pick. This yep. draft is important. Like, we need to have our young, either role players that's going to push us forward, or maybe you find a hidden gem that's a star. Like, I don't want people to think because we're picking 21 and 22, you can't find anybody. Look at the maxis, 20-something pick. Look at the quicklies, 20-something pick. Like, you can find talent in the 20s, the Jared Allens. Yep. The Leverts, you can find talent at the back end. Yeah. Right, then at that, that at the very least, even if they're not long-term stalwarts of your organization, they're a better asset than they were – when they were just a number, right? They they out they were better than the twenty first pick in a trade two years down the line. Yep, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I it, it would be nice if they didn't actually trade back like they end up doing every year, and we play this. Uh, play I, this I would game. be okay with trading one of them for a pick in next year's draft, but next I don't want to draft this week. What's that? Is it next year? Yeah, next year. Yeah, it's not supposed week. to be good. Yeah. All right. Then I yeah. Then I guess you stick and pick. Real quick, who's winning the championship? Nuggets. I mean, I said I said Philly. I think, but I don't think that's happening. Uh, yeah, I, dude, I think I you, think, I think you gotta. I think you gotta like the Nuggets' chances, but I'm gonna. I'm, I want right now. My gut is telling me Golden State. Yeah, I don't know if Golden State's getting out of this round. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, but they. The, the other thing, by the way, I just want to mention on the coaching stuff, because, you know, I was big on thinking that there was going to be so much coaching moves. And right now, I guess there's three openings, right? Toronto, Detroit, and Milwaukee. Um, do we think – I think of the eight remaining teams, right? There's Yeah, there's eight teams remaining. I think – is the only job that we really think will probably be open if, if the team has their worst-case scenario this round is Philly? Because I can't – I mean, I feel like – I mean, Missoula got an extension. Darvin Ham's not going anywhere. Kerr's not going anywhere. I guess if the Suns lose, I mean, Monty maybe, but I feel like he's so well-liked around the league. I feel like it would be hard for him they to get – They have to give him one more year because yep. you did that trade. Because you did that season. trade. So, like, so we think that if every team had their worst-case scenario of losing in this round, Doc's the only one that's probably gone. Yep. But then again, they'll Tips say – Tibbs isn't going anywhere. Spo. But they'll say, Doc, the MVP got hurt. 
Yeah, but he's <laughs> Doc's got more excuses than everybody on oh, Earth. I, 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 I mean, he's terrible. If you take away the Orlando job, he's done terrible. He can't get out the can't get out the second round. And and he's did you see how he scapegoated and 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 killed um Blake Griffin and DeAndre uh, uh Jordan? Yeah. Like he he's known for just blaming you under the bus. By the way, I heard someone on a podcast say this, I think it was yesterday, that he started to now throw Maxie a little bit under the bus because <laughs> because Maxie, <laughs> because supposedly Maxie, because he's always ready to go on the outlet, he hasn't gotten a lot of loose balls, so he doesn't go attack the rim because he's obviously Maxie's one of the best transition players in basketball. And Doc supposedly kind of has made a couple of comments in recent uh, press conferences uh, about Maxie's hustle, which I'm sure Maxie was thrilled with. Well, he's not going to have to do it this time. He he could just he could just uh, hold on to uh, you know Embiid getting hurt, you know, and Embiid not being not being in, a, in his best shape. But uh, you know that's that's Doc Rivers. <laughs> but anyway, so we're going to be doing a couple more a couple more uh, mini uh, mini pods like well. <laughs> mini-ish pods like this <laughs> discussing three to four players per, se- per session. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, really appreciate it. We've been getting a lot of good um, listenership recently, so subscribe, rate, review, and uh, let's go Nets. Peace, guys. Peace. Peace.